Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, I'm going to continue the series called Say What?, uh, you can uh, turn, I'm going to read out of Mark, excuse me, Matthew 12 and Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to be there uh, in just uh, just a moment. So as I, <clears throat> excuse me, as I had mentioned last week, I kind of had this on my uh, preaching plan for last year. And for whatever reason, just couldn't find the right space and time for it. But I felt like it was a good, a good time to do this. And I haven't really done a series before on kind of words and speech. So I just felt like it was a good time. So in this series, we're seeing... <clears throat> God says a lot, and the Bible says a lot about our words, speech, heart, and walk with God in relation to our witness, lifestyle, and testimony. When you start looking through what the Bible says about words, you will see that it is quite, you know, extensive. So each week in the series, we are looking at the many negative uh, verbal expressions, gossip, lies, sedition, whining, complaining, jealous tongue, angry words, impulsive speaking, profanity, insults, inappropriate sexual thoughts and jokes, and the positive verbal expressions, how we can use our tongue for good, encouragement and affirmation, telling the truth, providing counsel to others, being a peacemaker, prayer and worship, scriptural declarations and decrees, speaking blessing to others, healing words. So we're just kind of working through that list. Jesus dealt with this. It's kind of my theme passage, if you missed uh, last week, uh, Matthew chapter 12, he says, you brood of vipers, talking to the Pharisees, or you group of snakes, how can you who are evil say anything good? Look at this. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, okay? We use the term bite your tongue. That's not really the problem, is your tongue. It's deeper than that. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you, everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. By your words you will be acquitted. By your words you will be condemned. So he starts that little passage there going, hey, you're a bunch of snakes. You're a snake uh, is full of poison, bitter poison that kills and maims. And he said, you're killers with your tongue. We know from the scripture, life and death comes from the power of the tongue. We can kill, but we can also give life. And words, as I mentioned, are a reflection of the heart. Words expose the true thinking of the heart. So whatever we put in our heart, positive or negative, it comes out through our mouth. And then he reminds us, too, that on Judgment Day, every word that you've spoken is being recorded, okay? Every word. I don't know how that's going to work at Judgment Day. Some of you have a lot of words. This could be a long time. I'm going to be impatient waiting in line, okay? So every word God is listening to. No, we believe that. We believe that when we pray, God listens. When we worship, God hears. Well, when we say other things, He's listening as well. So worship, uh, excuse me, our words are a reflection of the heart. James 1.26 says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Very powerful statement that, man, you're just doing no good. It's just a game. It's just a charade. If, if there's all kinds of evil that's coming out of your heart and he's, he's going, hey, your words and your walk with God, they're being judged in relation 
to each other. And then Psalms 19 says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation reflection of my heart be pleasing to you, O God. So we're not trying to build a better gate at our mouth so we can stop words. That's not our goal is to be able to stop what the heart is generating. Our goal is that our heart becomes more pure, more holy, you know, more loving to God, and that stuff that's down here, it doesn't flow anymore. So we're not trying to be better at stopping words. We're trying to be better at not even having them, right? All right, so last week <clears throat> we talked about uh, negative, the negative words, reckless, angry, harsh Words we talked about that uh, to everyone, but especially in relation to maybe husbands and 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 families. We also talked about the importance of of positive, you know, the words, encouragement, and affirmation. All right. So today, our negative words are in Ephesians five: obscenity, profanity, blasphemy, sexually oriented conversation, and jokes. You thought I was going to take the weekend off, right? You thought it's just going to kind of, we're just going to kind of breeze through service today. Oh, we're going to have some fun this morning. So, all right. Ephesians 5 and 1 through 7 talks about these things. And I want to read the context before and after so we see the whole thing here. So, it says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of purity or greed because they're improper for God's holy people. All right? Everybody takes a deep breath. That's not me. Ah, but he adds to the list. Nor... Should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, rather thanksgiving? For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person such as an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words for for because of such things, God's wrath comes down on those who are disobedient. Therefore, don't be partners with them. All right? That's kind of the whole thought. But I want to go back to verse 4. There should be, there, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place. Now, I want to say obscenity, foolish talk coarse joking. To a lot of people, it's just the language of the unbeliever. It's just how they talk. It's how they think to the unredeemed heart, to the, the, the heart that hasn't been spoken to the grace of God. It's just, it flows out. The evil in, in the heart just flows out, and we, we hear these things sometimes, but that's just the language of the unbeliever. So when I pastored, uh, I pastored in Kentucky, in my church, <clears throat> primarily, primarily due to our proximity to Fort Knox, were active duty soldiers in the in the army, and we had a lot of lot of uh, people moved in and out. It was a uh, you know great time in uh, that we served, and so we had a lot of soldiers there, a lot of soldiers and their families. So. Uh, we, you know, a lot of times they, they would attend, we would meet them. So one, one night, one of the families invited us, Becky and I, over for dinner. So we go over there. It was a lady, godly lady. Her husband had been attending for a while. He was a staff sergeant. He's been in the Army 20 years. He was an Iraqi war veteran. He is a soldier, soldier, you know, just a, you know, a, a good guy, but man, just tough, tough guy. Some of the most... You know, some of the most shocking things that I ever heard about the Iraqi war came from this gentleman as he just told me the stories of his service. So he's a soldier, soldier, hard guy, you know, by life. But they invite us over for dinner. 
He's such a fun guy. He is, you know, just laugh, had a great personality. But this guy cursed every four words, okay? I mean, the whole night. He just cursed. Son of a bing, son of a bang, boom, bomb, bomb. You know, every, I mean. Now, let me say, he's not doing it to be rude. He's not doing it to be irreverent. That's just the way he talks, all right? And this guy, you know, like we're at the table having dinner, and he's such a fun guy. He's just telling stories. And it came, you know, it's just laced with profanity. This guy, he is a profanity professional. I just want to tell you that. He's got the full complement of profane words. He knows how to perfectly add, add them to the sentence. And at one point, his wife mouthed to me, I'm so sorry. <laughs> or we would be in the dining room, and she would just put her head down and just shake her head. And at one point, he was riffing on a story. Man, he is, he is going. And evidently, he saw her body language, and he stopped and went, what? What are you, what are you on me for? Okay? Now, I wasn't offended. Listen, he, that's just just the way he was, but I'm just going, that kind of stuff is just, you know, the language of the unbeliever. It just happens to the unredeemed. But also, in this passage, it is a warning to, believe, to a believer that that kind of language is not for you and I because our hearts have been redeemed. Our hearts have been changed. He reminds us at the end of of, of Ephesians, he said, look, this is, uh, there's a warning for all the people that partake in this, but he tells us, do not be a partner with those, okay? So, I mean, that, that, that was our night at church Sunday. She said, I just need to apologize to you. I'm like, you know what? You don't need to apologize to me. It's all, it's, it's all good. You know, he kept coming to church he gave his heart to the Lord. He's just a great guy. Now, whether the Lord had straightened out all of his vocabulary, I don't know that. We moved by then, but such a, such a good guy. And uh, so, uh, so uh, the, the Scripture specifically mentions obscenity and profanity, okay? Offensive words and expressions, foul language, abusive language, crude Language that just shows the impurity of the heart. James 3 reminds the believer when it comes to these things. James 3, it says, With the tongue we praise God and Father, and with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. He said, You come in here in a worship service and you sing and you worship, and yet you curse, you use profanity to, to others. He said, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can the fig bear olives <clears throat> or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So he's reminding believers, hey, this might be the language of the world. It might be the language of the unredeemed. But it's not the language of those that take their tongue and they use in, in, uh, with obscenity and, and profanity. And sometimes it happens when we're in a pressure-filled situation or when we get angry, okay? You're, maybe that's not you, except in tense moments. We see it in the New Testament in the life of Peter. Really good guy. Had some bumps in the road. But after Gethsemane, you know, when he's betrayed the Lord and the little girl comes up to him and says, hey, are you a follower of Christ? It said he was swearing and cursing at her. All right, so it wasn't necessarily something that was all the time, but under, under unique situations, this stuff started to, to come out as well. So obscenity and profanity. Let me say two. Let me say this, all right? If you are bilingual, okay, don't speak English and do your cursing in Spanish, okay? Ah, <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. 
Ah, it's still the same thing. God knows. God knows. I know some of you. I know that's what you do. I know that's what you do. I had a word of knowledge about that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Obscenity and profanity. How about blasphemous words? Okay. Religious-themed profanity. Okay. Have you ever noticed that most profanity is connected to the Christian faith? Please explain that to me. How, how does that work? When they're using blasphemy, it's to our Savior. You never hear profane words toward Muhammad, the Dalai Lama, Buddha, which I wouldn't uh, want that either. But we hear the name of our God. We hear the name of Jesus all the time with, in, used in, in blasphemy, all right? The Lord said, Exodus 20, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for your Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name, okay? He's recording this. It shows a certain disrespect toward, uh, toward God and toward believers. It shows a spiritual arrogance. I want to say, too, God is graceful, gracious, and merciful, but you better be careful what you say about him. You better, you better be careful. You see, you see that name that is profaned so easily, I want to remind you, that name is holy. He said, holy is your name. That name is righteous and pure. Through his name, it brings blessing and salvation and encouragement. Through his name, people are healed, saved, and touched by God. Through his name, there is salvation and eternal life. You better watch out when you misuse his name. All right? And I want to say, too, to the unrepentant, who have profaned and misused his name, there is a day coming for you that you will not forget. The Bible says there is a time in heaven, Paul speaks about it, where the name of Jesus is going to be mentioned, and it says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess to the, the glory of the, of, the, of the God the Father. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, Every tongue will confess. So there's obscenity, profanity. There are blasphemous words that people use. It also mentions foolish talk. I, I'm going to just take a moment for this because I'm going to deal with this maybe a little bit later. A gossiping tongue, a boasting tongue, a critical tongue. How about an overactive tongue, okay? Just overactive. Always in somebody else's business. Their life is so perfect, they got all this time left over to provide commentary on my and your life, all right? I want to remind that person of Ecclesiastes 3. It says there's a time to speak and there's a time to be silent, okay? So God says to you, shut up, okay? I'll leave that. That's the message version on that, okay? He also mentions inappropriate sexual conversation and jokes. Inappropriate sexual conversation and jokes. Look at this. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. Wow. You mean, you mean sexually oriented jokes have been around for 2,000 years? They're dealing with it back in the time of Paul? Are you kidding me? I thought that was, you know, maybe something that was just for today. So don't let there be any filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place for the believer. It's out of place for the believer. Sexually suggestive comments. I told you, we're having fun on Labor Day. You thought we were just going to slide through and watch the game tonight. No, we're digging deep this morning. Sexually suggestive comments. Sexually or racially oriented jokes, they are, they are inappropriate. So obscenity, profanity, blasphemy, sexually oriented conversation and jokes. And I want to say, these aren't just casual, infrequent uses today. 
It is all the time, okay? We are inundated constantly with, with the things that I just mentioned. It is on the news. It is every part of our life. And I just want to remind the people of God, this is not normal speech. Even though a lot of people may be partaking in that and, 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 and being involved with that, that's not the, the speech of the believer. But, I mean, it's not just casual use anymore. It's not just inadvertent. It's not just when somebody puts the, a hammer on their thumb. It is all times. It's politicians. Politicians that make speeches in front of thousands of people, and they use profanity. Okay? Unbelievable. Can't had to turn one off the TV of my home because of the continual use of profanity. That's our, our, our society has just gone. Coaches, coaches are some of the worst. They're, they're probably nice people to work with you know, college students and high school students, but some of the worst profanity comes from the, the athletic field, and it just shouldn't be, it shouldn't be that way. Profanity in the workplace. Profanity in the workplace, okay? I came home from work. My wife work, has worked from home for Verizon for almost 30 years, okay? So I know when I come in the door, she does conference calls, video conference. I know when I come in the door, if she does not look at me, it's her way of going, shut up, do not make a sound, okay? So that day I came in, I, she's on a conference call with people, and I walk in, and I have never heard the profanity in my whole life. I, it, was, it wasn't Becky. Let me, let me just qualify that. <laughs> let, let me say, sometimes I think she's tempted, but she's built a really good gate for me. So uh, I couldn't believe it. Some of the worst profanity, it was once. It was continual. To the point where I turned around and she went, I'm so sorry. And I'm just like, you've got to be kidding, okay? And I just still am kind of in the kitchen. And I mean, it's some, it's, it's, and they're on a, a call with many people. And to the point where, I mean, I looked at her again. I'm like, hey, this is my house. You know, this is God's house. And she's, she's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I just couldn't believe that in a professional setting, in a professional setting, it wasn't inadvertent. It was continual all the time. And as soon as that, I just stayed as the priest of the household. And as soon as that call was over, she went, I'm so sorry. I, I mean, I'm just like, do I need to go anoint my house? Do I need, like, the Catholics' incense, everything? I don't even believe that. But it's not the first time that she or I have heard that. And I just want to go, you know, uh, profanity in the workplace. Like, to me, it's very unprofessional. Very unprofessional. Like, Everybody can have a bad day. Everybody can say a bad moment. You know, everybody can, can do that. But I just, I just thought, it's just so common today. And it was just some of the worst profanity, and it was over and over, okay? So it's profanity in the workplace. It's on the athletic field. It's politicians. It is comedians, movies, music, and television, okay? It's constant. It's all the time. It blankets us. And I don't, I don't want us to be immune when we hear these things as the people of God, I mean, have you ever walked out of the movie theater and said, you know, that movie needed a little more profanity and a little more sexually crude talk just to kind of make it full? But you walk, you, you, you walk out, sometimes you change the channel because, man, you just feel filth. Comedians who, who base their whole monologue on some filthy language. You're not funny if you've got to build off that. And I want to say there's, there's a good swing toward people who do comedy and they do clean comedy, okay? And I, 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 listen, I listen to those. So I'm just, I'm just going. It's everywhere. Politicians, it's on the athletic field, it's in the workplace, it's on all parts. It's, a, it's all parts of culture now. 
Obscenity, profanity, blasphemy, inappropriate sexual conversation, and joking. It shows a lack of sensitivity to those who are around you. It's a lack of sensitivity to those around you. It can be offensive to people. It can be inappropriate to people. The content of what, you're, of pe- what people say could be religious-based. It could be sexually-based. It could be racially-based, especially, you know, in the presence of females. There's no situational awareness anymore that this could just, you know, this, this could be inappropriate. It shows a lack of internal self-control, all right? Everybody feels anger and disappointment. Everybody goes Everybody goes through that, but when some people, they just, they kind of blow off and they open the toilet of their heart and they shower people with all of their evil thinking, it's, it's awful. There's no internal self-control. It's intentionally demeaning and degrading to people, and it's intimidating to people as well. It's intimidating to people, all right? So they're not just making a point, you know, like if I really accentuate this sentence right with profanity at the end, they'll know that I'm serious. In actuality, it could be offensive to people. And I just want to say this to the the people of God. With all the sensitivities that we have in the workplace today, you know, can't say certain things. It's amazing how this is not mentioned. And I want to go to the people of God. If you feel like you need to write an email to someone or you need to go see human resources because you are offended, then I say go do it, especially when it comes to religious and blasphemous words. If you're a believer, you, you, you feel uncomfortable, you feel intimidated, you feel demeaned, then, then take, advantage, take advantage of that. And I want to say, too, it ruins your testimony. It ruins your testimony if it comes from the people of God. How many times do we go, Lord, help me win my workplace, all right? But then that prayer is canceled out by our obscenity and profanity on the job site. We miss an opportunity because we haven't controlled not just our mouth, but what's, but what's in our heart. So I want to remind you from Ephesians 5, all right? For this, you can be sure No immoral, impure, or greedy person such as an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, because such things, God's wrath comes upon those who are disobedient. And then he says, so don't be a partner with them. Don't be a part of this. You You don't need this in any way. He said, "God, they are disobedient. God's going to judge them. At some point, if they haven't turned things over to the Lord, but he said, until then, your language should be different. Your talk should be different. Your speech should be different. I want to talk to, for a moment, high school, college age, and young adults. It seems like the constant profanity issue is a generational issue. Those that are maybe 40 above, they were raised in a different time. It's a, it was a different sensitivity, you know, like if you, if you cursed, if you were a certain age, man, that was bad news, you know, like not just from your home, but, you know, society just didn't approve of it. But today, it's more common to those that are young. They don't think anything about it. So I just want to remind you, and I want to give you this from 1 Timothy 4, because he speaks to young adults. He said, 1 Timothy 4.12, don't let anyone look down upon you because you're young, but set the example for believers. And the first things that he mentions is speech. Set the example, set the example for believers in speech with what you say. You think if he's going to start with point one, it's going to be something much more, you know, and then kind of be descending on that list. But he starts with speech, okay? So on the college campus, the high school campus, in the workplace, just your, just, just your tongue that is seasoned with grace, that is kind, that is uplifting, that is encouraging to others. Just your manner of speech can be a witness to those that are lost, okay? So it just reminds young adults, hey, let the first part of that, let the first part of that be with your speech, all right? So... That's the negative word, okay? Let's look at the positive. Let's talk about worship. Worship, the impact of, of worship. 
Worship is a declaration of the heart and the mouth of the goodness of God in spite of our present circumstances, okay? Worship is a declaration of the heart and mouth of the goodness of God in spite of our present circumstances. So worship, worship is intentional. It's cognitive, okay? It's worship is not just action that I kind of flow into because other people are doing it per se. Worship just doesn't happen because it's 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. Worship does not necessarily have, you know, happen just because it's the time of worship. Worship is intentional. It comes from my heart. It's, it's, it's not a respecter of time or location. Worship is a declaration of my heart about the goodness of God in spite of our present circumstances. So what it's taking here, down here, and we are verbalizing God's goodness. It is a declaration of God's goodness. It is an intentional declaration of God's goodness. Worship is not just what we do at 10 a.m. on Sunday. We call it the worship service, but you can sit here and not worship and even be in the midst of the song. So I want, I, want, I want you to see that worship is that declaration. It's an intentional declaration. Look at Psalms 103, 1 through 5. I'm going to go through this real quick, then we're going to worship at the end. <clears throat> Here's what David says. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits who forgives all of your sins and he heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Okay? He says some powerful things there. I just want to work through them really quick. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. So he starts just recalling the blessings of the Lord. He's overcome in this moment with worship for God. He reminds himself to give praise to God. He does it several times. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. He does, does it several times, and he wants abundant praise. He wants to maximize this moment. It's not surface or superficial. He is not just repeating the musical lyrics of, of a songwriter somewhere. He's going, praise the Lord, oh my soul, down deep in my heart with everything that I've got. I'm not just going to go through a worship, the worship motions here, but man, I am, I'm summoning my heart and my mind because what I'm saying, what, am I, what I'm saying is important to God. It was deep from his soul. It was intimate. It was communion. It was not half-hearted. Worship reminds me of God's sovereign power. Praise the Lord, my soul, forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of your sins, and heals all of your diseases. So when I think of God, I don't like to think of benefits, kind of like your employer gives you a benefits package. Like, I don't like to, you know, kind of frame it that way, but I want to tell you, I don't even like the term. I would rather use the term blessings, okay? There's so many, many blessings, okay? And I, I want to say, when I worship, it just reminds me, it reminds me of God's power. When I worship, it just reminds me of, that he is greater than I, and his power is greater than any circumstance that my, I may have, even though I may not understand what is going on at the moment. But worship reminds me of God's sovereign power, forget not all of his benefits. And then he says who forgives all of your sins 
and he heals all your diseases. So he's going, hey, man, there are things that God does on the inside. He forgives sin, and then he heals us as well. And the mind and the heart worship, you know, worship reminds me of God's sovereign power upon my life. Praise the Lord, all my soul, forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of your sins and heals all your diseases. When you worship sometimes, man, you can get overcome with just the blessing and the goodness of God. You can just start listing all the, the different ways of God's blessing upon our, upon our particular life. He, he mentions forgiveness. He mentions forgiveness. Man, just sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget that we were the adopted stepchild grafted in. You know, we, that we, we forget that. We, we think we're royalty. You know, and we are to a certain extent, but we forget where we came from. When we were lost, when we were orphans away from God, when we were prodigals, when we were sinners, when we were addicts, when we uh, had hard hearts against God. So sometimes we live in, in the now and we forget where we came from. He says, hey, he, uh, forget not all of our benefits, who forgives our sin and he heals our diseases. He said, I can do things in your heart but I also can do things in your body. And worship, when you come in worship, it just reminds us of that. Worship reminds me of God's love for me, that he rescued me. It says he came and got me out of the pit. He knew, he heard my cry, my cry of desperation when my life was breaking apart. He came and he, he rescued me. Worship reminds me of God's power to change my life and my circumstance who redeems your life from the pit and he crowns you with love and compassion. He brings you out of the pit and then he uses the term crowns like royalty. He crowns me because I'm I'm a son or daughter with love and compassion, okay? He reminds us of that Michaela worship team. You guys can come, all right? Worship reminds me that God will provide to me what I need in this season, okay? That's why I'm just going to you. Worship needs to be an intentional moment. It needs to be a declaration. You may not have a playlist nearby. You may not have a worship team nearby. And it absolutely doesn't matter if they are there, okay? What it is, it's a declaration of my heart that I'm, 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 I'm worshiping God. I'm serving God. And it is continual. And regardless of the circumstance, that's worship. That's worship. And worship doesn't come with bargains. We don't trade things off, you know, like, Lord, when I get through this, boy, you just don't know the worshiper that I'm going to be, all right? Now, that can happen. We're on the backside of the Red Sea. I don't doubt that that does happen. But we don't take the posture that there's muted worship while we're going through a season of difficulty. It's intentional. It's cognitive in the moment that I am, when the wheels come off, when problems happen, when I have to worship through the cloud of confusion that I'm going through, I make that affirmation to the Lord in worship. You can go ahead. We don't feel sorry for ourselves. Our worship is not clouded with self-pity. How hard I have it. No. No. We, where we're at, wherever we're at, whatever, wherever we're at in our life, whatever is going on, we make the intentional declaration that I'm going to worship God. I'm going to declare His goodness in spite of what's going on in my life. And I lift my hands and I sing to God. And it reminds me of those other things as well. 
It reminds me of where he's brought me from. It reminds me of what he's doing in my life. It reminds me of his power, his benefits, his blessings. It reminds me that he forgave my sin. He brought me a long way away. Remind me that he's healed me. He's done miracles in my life. And that all comes because there's a transformational moment that comes in worship. Listen to me. You may not have the fullness of all that when you start, but you just start with praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. You just start there. And I want to tell you, through the declaration of worship and the words of worship, a transformational moment can happen in your life. And God can reveal himself powerfully to you in a very difficult situation. I want you to stand. Because we're going to sing. It's a song loosely based on Psalms 103. but I want to read it again. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all my inmost being, from the depths of my heart, praise His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all of His benefits. Who crowns, who, who forgives all of your sins and heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Okay? So this is a declarative that comes from the heart. It's intentional. Right. They're going to put the words on the screen, but you can kind of mouth that if you want. All right. But this is a moment where we declare, declare God's goodness. And I want to have a moment of intentional worship and declaration. Michaela, start us there.
you to take a moment intentionally with your own words and heart to magnify the Lord. Some of you may be going through one of the worst seasons of your life and you're going, Lord, what is going on? I want you to worship through the cloud of your circumstances right now. I want you to start to declare the goodness of God, the praise to God, because I want to say too, I think worship can be transformational. I think when you make those declarations, you never know what God may reveal, His Spirit, how it may strengthen you. But sometimes, down from the heart, we need to speak those words of worship, and they are powerful. We're going to come back and sing that in just a moment. For the next couple of minutes, the next couple of minutes, this is all about you and your words of worship. Can we do that right now? Lift your voice across this congregation. I want you to praise Him. I want you to bless Him. I want you to make statements of faith. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you. Some are here. Lord, they're going, what's going on in my life? But Lord, they're going to magnify you in the midst of the fire. Storms are raging. And they're going, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but in the midst of it, I'm going to raise my worship to God. I don't bargain. I'm not going to be, am I going to worship you when it's over? Lord, in the midst of my misery right now, I'm going to declare your goodness. I'm going to declare, Lord, that you're going to bring me through. I declare you're the glory and the lifter of my head. We're going to worship you in the midst. Not going to wait till things clear up. That's another kind of worship. Thank you, Lord. Come on, another moment. Just... Declare the goodness of God. Declare the goodness of God. Thank you, Lord. Worship in faith for some of you this morning. But I pray, Lord, as you hear those words, I pray the powerful spirit of the Lord would encounter them, count about them. David said those words and those thoughts begin to flow. Lord, I pray, I pray, Remind them, Lord, of your peace. You're surrounding them. Lord, let them have that experience today. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just one more moment. Just one more moment. 60 more seconds. We're going to sing this song again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we stand. We stand. All we got is our worship. All we have is our worship right now. All we have. I'm tired, I'm weary, I don't know that I can make it another day, but with the strength that I have this morning, I'm going to declare the goodness of God. I'm going to declare the goodness of God, I'm over my heart. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to worship you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, 30 more seconds, come on. Come on. Thank you, Lord. 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 
All right. Let's go back to that song. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Come on. Let's sing it out this morning. Bless the Lord. Sing it. Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. profanity, but I didn't think anybody would come, so uh, I wanted to end another way. I want to remind you that the greatest statement of faith sometimes is worship, okay? Like, when they got through the Red Sea, there was this tremendous worship service that happened, and you can understand why, but the greatest statement of faith before that was an elderly man who just raised his hands in worship, but to stop the wind. He had no indication of what was going to happen, but he just began to praise, magnify, and trust the Lord in that moment. So I want to go some of your most powerful worship is while you're in the midst of the storm. The other is easy. The other is easy. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.